Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward. And God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that. Follow the instructions and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. And detox. Detach. I'm going to say detach. And then detox. Detox. Get some things that may we have, maybe we're out of the relationship, but the relationship's not out of us. Maybe God's brought us through some things, but those things still keep us over here. We're going to get free today. We're going to get free today in Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to get free today. We're going to get free today. God's going to do some healing. He's going to do some touching. He's going to touch our hearts today if you want them and if you welcome him into your heart. So we're in 2 Samuel today. I'm not going to do any reading. It's going to be all on the screen today. I want my Bible on this side. Worship team looked good today, amen. Tyler was hiding behind the cross in Jesus' name. <laughs> I had to say that, amen. I love illustrations. I haven't done one in a while. I actually did one this morning. Youth pastor, I used to do this every week, so I do have some things up here today. Don't get stuck in them. Don't get caught in them. They're just to help you learn. How many are visionary learners? You just learn better when you see stuff, amen. That's what they're up here today. And I pray, don't get hung up on all of this. I want, I want, Like I said, I want the Spirit of God to do some surgery in your hearts today. Father, we pray one more time. We thank you. We thank you for walking us through this whole month in relationships. Father, I thank you for all the comments and emails and messages that our church has received from literally all over the place and all the encouragements that, God, that you're doing something. Father, in the lives of people, I thank you. I pray today that, God, you would bring us out 100% out of this graveyard emotionally and set us free and help us to be free in Jesus' name. And if you say amen, if you agree with that, say amen. Tell three people, I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out. And then you can be seated. Coming out today. Coming out today. Detach and detox. I I realize that the message, the sermon, it's amazing what church, it's amazing what God can do in 45 minutes. It's amazing what the Spirit of God can do. The Spirit of God can do more in 45 minutes than what any therapist or doctor or medicine or treatment can do for years and years. I'm not knocking any of that. I'm an advocate for all of that. And so is the Bible. We have two books in the Bible written by a doctor. Luke the physician. So God ain't anti-medicine. Amen? But he's, 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 he's anti Sin, anti-sick, anti-depression, anti-any of that. God wants us to be healed and to, and to be set free. And so that's what, what I'm all about, and that's what God does. But we have to give him an opportunity and be willing to do that. I have some things here today uh, on the stage that are really symbolic to life in general. There, everyone begins 
in uh, a spiritual, this, this is a, an analogy of a spiritual graveyard. I don't know if you realize it or not, but every human being, until we come to know the Lord, spiritually speaking, we begin in a graveyard. We begin being spiritually dead. The Bible calls it this. You are, you are dead in sins and trespasses. This is how we are. I don't care how much money you make and, and how much money you have in the bank. I don't care how, what kind of car you drive. I don't care how well your marriage is doing. I don't care if you have an Armani suit, the best clothes. I don't care what you've got going on in the physical realm. Until you and I have Jesus Christ in our life, hear me today, we are spiritually dead. Does that hurt your feelings? I know, it's tough. But the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. And the Bible even gives many analogies and, and stories in the Bible. The prodigal son is one who, who left his father's house and he went into a far country and he lived a prodigal life, which means wasteful. Prodigal means wasteful. And at the very end of that story, he comes to his senses. Remember, I love that. That's my life story. He came to his senses out there. He ran back home. His father greeted him and he celebrated and put a, and, and, and had a big party. And his brother came in and said, why are you making such a big uh, fuss and having this party for your brother. He was a heathen. And I love these words. What did the father say? He says, you don't understand, son. My other son was dead, but now he's alive. Until we come to know the Lord, we are spiritually dead. But I want to share with you today uh, the story of David and Abner because once you and I experience life and once we are saved and we ask Jesus into our heart and we ask him to come in and to cleanse us and wash us clean, the enemy is very upset and he tries everything and anything he can to get us back into this graveyard. He, he wants us to be here, even though we may be spiritually saved and spiritually anointed, he wants to get us here emotionally. And there are many people in the church world today that are, that are saved, they're on their way to heaven, they are anointed, but emotionally they are like living in a spiritual graveyard. Many. And it grieves the heart of God. It grieves the heart of God. Like I said, God is a loving father that wants all of us to experience life. And that's what this side is. The best I can. I wanted to give you a little mental picture. I know it's a big cross. Amen. It's kind of all about Jesus. Amen. But this side here is representing joy and, and peace and all those things that come with, with uh, knowing the Lord. I love the songs we sung today. I mean, I can preach the whole, the, the songs was the message today. I love that. Remember the day that, that he uh, called our name and we come running out of the graveyard. Come on, somebody. I love that. That's a good song. How many come running out of the graveyard? Listen, some of you went running out of the graveyard, but you ran right back in. I, I, I don't know uh, how long you were out, but I'm saying if you're in here today, God wants you out physically, emotionally, spiritually. He wants your children out. He wants your children's children out. He wants all of us to be on this side of life. Say amen if you get what I'm saying. And so I want to pick up this week where we left off last week, and that's 2 Samuel 3. And this story is covering 2 Samuel 2, 3, and 4. And so I'm going to read all three chapters. Seeing if you're paying attention. No, I'm not reading all three chapters. I'm going to read all three chapters. 
I'm going to abbreviate them and, and go through it, but I want to start off chapter 3, and it says this. Now, there was war a long time between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. We're picking up the story where Saul, eventually he died, and, but the house of Saul, okay, is still fighting against David. How I many know oh, that, man, the devil is not happy that you came to church today? Can I tell you, the devil is not happy that you chose Jesus today. He, he's not happy that when you get saved and you worship God and, and, and you love that he is not happy. And so even though his primary enemy was dead, the house of Saul began to still attack David. And, and so David was, was in the very second verse, verse 2, it says that David began to have children. He began to have his family. He was over here on the cross side. He was over here, uh, no more dodging spears. Saul was gone. His men were taking care of the house of Saul. But verse 2 says he, were, he was having kids. Life was good. What's going on? He, he, he's enjoying the new life in Jesus. How many remember that? You enjoy the new life that Jesus, everything was going fine. How did Abner end up back into his life again? Here come Abner. I mean, oh, just when things are going good, I'm telling you, just when things are going good in your life, you need to be aware of an Abner. You might be sitting next to Abner this morning. Look over. No, look straight at me and just smile in Jesus' name. Abner's come in all kinds of different uh, forms and colors and social backgrounds, economical backgrounds, male or female. It don't matter what it is. And Abner is an Abner, and he comes right into your life. And the thing about the story is you'll read that when Abner came into David's life, David was all happy, and at first it reads that Abner was a pretty cool dude, that there was nothing wrong with Abner. But how many of you got to study the Word of God? As you study the Word of God, you discover that Abner looked good on the outside, but he was all messed up on the inside. Does anybody know somebody like that? In other words, and let me tell you about Abner. When Saul was chucking spears at David, Abner was the dude holding the spears. Abner was the guy saying, hey, Saul, you missed them, but hey, I saw them over here. David's running over here into this cave. He's running over here. Hey, hey, it's that person that is just feeding the lies and feeding the enemy and feeding other people in your relationships. And, the, and they're, just, they're just sucking the life, sucking the joy right out of your, your life. That's Abner. And Abner, if he was really a good guy, if he really loved David, in chapter 2 when Saul died, your Bible says that Abner, instead of coming to David and saying, okay, I messed up, David. I want to be a part of your family now. I'm going to serve you. He didn't. Chapter 2 says that he took Ishabeth, the Saul of son, uh, the son of Saul, and made him king and then continued to make war against David. In other words, when the situation seemed to be all over and dead with, this person became begin to get involved and stir it back up all over again. How many know some people in your life that when a situation is over, they have a, a gift, an anointing to come right back and stir it right back up again? Woo, I know it's going to get quiet and you're afraid to shout today because he may be sitting right next to an Abner, but I'm telling you something, it's time to get free today. I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you today. 
But see, David didn't recognize any of that. It's like he's got, you know, he did not even know what was happening. He gave Abner a feast. He celebrated Abner. He was like, man, I'm going to celebrate you. Come into my team. You're a warrior. I'm a warrior. You know, I know you tried to kill me and everything, but hey, I'm, I'm over it. And, and, and he brought him right into his life. And then it says in, in verse uh, 24 that Abner left. And now look what happened. David's men came into the, to the picture. And David's men came into the picture and they said, that's Joab. He said to the king, what have you done? Abner came to you. Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you to know you're going out and you're coming. Look at that. Surely you realize. Isn't it something how there are people in our life that can see when a bad relationship is coming, but we just don't listen. Surely you would know that he is no good in your life. Surely you would know that that person is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Joab is saying, surely you notice. That how many times do we, do we fall for it? How many times do we just not even look at it? Why? Because listen to this, this is where we make a huge mistake. Because David was looking at Abner's potential. And I have no problem with uh, looking at potential. I think we need to look at people's potential. But don't ignore the pattern. I said it's one thing to look at someone's potential, but please don't overlook and ignore the pattern. David saw the potential. David's men saw a pattern. That Abner had a pattern in his life. Pattern. I say pattern. Pattern. My daughter tries to correct me. Says you're saying it wrong. But I'm the pastor. I got the microphone. I say it. Pattern. Everyone say pattern. 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 That's why God gave me the Holy Ghost. I can speak in a whole language that I don't even know. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's a pattern. David's men saw that Abner was the kind of guy that would end up being your friend. Like in chapter 2, he become friends with the Gibeonites. And all he did was use the Gibeonites. All he did was get in with them and seem to be buddy-buddy. Then he overtook them, took all of their valuables, and then spit them out. How many know some folks in your life? And the thing that got me is, is Abner, Abner... Uh, never came into David's life, like I said, when he was anointed king. He came into his life when he was kicked out of the house of Saul for, for committing treason. Isn't it another amazing thing how there are people in your life that won't give you the time of day, who don't even like to talk to you, but when their friends turn their back on them, they come right back into your house talking about, hey, what's up? I got that mixtape. That ex has nothing to do with you. You know, when everything's going fine in their life. But as soon as they lose their relationship with their friends or their current circle of influence, they find a way back into our life. And for some reason, we don't see it. A lot of times because we're just focused on potential, we ignore the patterns. I'm telling you something, don't ignore the patterns. Tell your neighbor, don't ignore the patterns. So what happened was Joab, that's David's man. He said, David... We love David, and I'm not going to let him get hurt. And so your Bible says in chapter 3 here that they removed Abner. And let me just tell you how thankful I am for the Joabs and for the people in my life that has helped me get rid of the toxic 
influence that was in my life. It was taking me down the wrong road. I thank God for bringing a church like this, River of Life. That's what we're here to do. We're here to come alongside of you and say, hey, we are here to help you get rid of some things that's keeping you over in the spiritual graveyard because God wants you free. It may be painful at first to to come out a little bit, but I want you to know that on this side, it's so much better. It's so much better. God is saying, come on, if you only knew what I had for you. Come on, somebody. And that's what they did. They removed Abner. And so it seemed like the story would end. But there's just something about David and the house of Saul. Let me tell you something. There's something in the Bible called soul ties. You can have a soul tie. It's it's something that you don't hear a lot about out in the world, uh, but it's very true in Scripture. And, And David found himself over into the graveyard. Remember, he was doing fine. He had kids and family was going good. And here come Abner. And next thing you know, we find him in this chapter being at an all time low. How did he get over here? And it says it in verse 31. And David followed the coffin. Can I tell you that I want you to get a mental picture of this right here, where I'm standing in the graveyard. Because 11 years as a youth pastor, five years as a senior pastor, being raised as a pastor's kid, I can tell you the number one cause of getting God's people out of the will of God, hear me, and into the spiritual, emotional graveyard is this one thing right here, relationships. I'm telling you. We, we, we can blame the devil, we can blame this, we can blame my mama, the way I was raised, I don't have this, I don't have that, when really what it is, is it's just a relationship. David was fine, but he began to follow the coffin, the relationship that God had removed out of his life, instead of letting it go, hear me, 1130, instead of letting it go and let him go, he began to follow after that relationship. He began to go. He knows he shouldn't have went. He knows he didn't listen to his men the first time, but he just won't let it go. And for some reason, he finds himself frustrated. Can I tell you, if you're frustrated, it's probably because you're trying to hold on to two seasons at the same time. I come by to tell you at 1130 that by the Spirit of God, he wants you to sunset free. It wants you free indeed. Let it go. Woo! Got me yelling up here and I'm screaming. Why? Because I'm passionate about this. You know how many times I've seen people in church, Steve, full of the Holy Spirit, loving God. Oh, running out of the graveyard. Yeah, loving God. Got four bracelets all the way down, all over the place. Got Bibles. They come in like this with three Bibles. They loving God. They're broke, busted, and disgusted. And next thing you know, they get a job, a husband, or a wife. Boom, there they go. <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody today. It gets us every time. Speaking to me. I was on fire for God at seven years old. Standing behind my couch preaching my uncles and my aunts. Had a little suit on. Even trying to be like Jimmy Swaggart. I had it going. That was back in a long time ago. Jimmy who? All right, never mind. And about 13 years old, man, I had somebody come into my life. Relationship. And there's nothing wrong with him but us together. I knew him since kindergarten. I was fire and he was gasoline. Or he was fire and I was gasoline. The two didn't mix. How many know some relationships like that? And all of our lives, 
we were doing that exact same thing. Can I tell you that when God wants to do something in your life, please get me, hear this. When God wants you to get over here, he will bring a relationship into your life. When he wants to bless you, how does he bless you? He blesses you and I through other people. Blessings come through people. This church is here to be a blessing to you, to come alongside of you and help you in this crazy world to make some sense out of it and to help you to keep your joy. This is a relationship that you need to have with the local church. This is God's ideal, not a man. Jesus said, I will build the church. This is his idea. Well, how does the enemy try to get you out of the will of God? It's the same way through relationships same way he doesn't change his methods because they work every time same way and it's amazing there's a verse in verse 34 that says that David while he was over here he just began to be in this toxic cycle it says he caused the people to weep again isn't it amazing how you can be in a relationship and all you do is all you do is just relive that to- it's just passing toxic back to one another it's just it's just one you would think that the cycle needs and then i've even seen him break away from her and 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 she'd be all crazy and wild and, and it's amazing how someone will go find the same exact kind of person they look totally different have a totally different name from an entirely different family but just as crazy as the first one. Isn't that how many seen that before? You've seen a guy, man. I mean, I mean, this dude just ain't gonna help her out. He won't provide, he won't protect her. He's just the way he is. You know, he's in mama's basement waiting for a CD to drop. I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> now, listen, if you're in the industry, the music industry, nothing wrong if you got a CD that you're waiting to drop. But everybody I know that made it, they also worked at McDonald's if they had to. Hey, I'm about to go to McDonald's. They're going 15 bucks an hour. Come on, somebody. Hey. So, but it, it's, it's, it's not about that, but it's about a cycle and they, and, and they just drag them down and, and they get them into this relationship and they get them into this environment and they finally break up, but they go get one that's just like the other one. What is it? It's a cycle. That's what David was caught in. It was this soul tie. A big problem is because he was looking. See, you can't go looking for a healthy relationship in an unhealthy environment. The Bible says it like this. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? I ain't getting no help today. Why why are you looking for what's going to save you from something I'm trying to remove out of your life? Why do you keep trying to follow something that I'm trying to take out of your life? But for some reason, you keep going and resurrecting what I'm crucifying because you don't understand I got something better for you. So Jesus is saying something. Jesus is saying something. A group of people came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you. I, I want to I run to you. I want that, that new life. But first, I, I got to do And Jesus interrupted this. And I want you to remember this. He says, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the gospel. Jesus said it. He said, listen, there comes a time when you got to let the dead bury the dead. Hey, you give them up to God. You're not hating on them. You're not a better person than them. You're not anything like that. You just got to let them find their own way. Because for you right now, I'm calling you. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. God says, I'm calling you right now, David. And what are you doing over in the graveyard? Don't you remember you were a little shepherd boy on the backside of the wilderness? I took you all the way this far for you just to go right back into that situation. You guys are quiet today. Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the gospel. 
And that's, that's a hard thing to do is standing in between here, to be on one side and, of the living and the dead. But the next scripture says that David, we continue with this saga, and David is over here, and relationships kind of over here, and it's a soul tie. Listen, I had a, I had a soul tie. I've, I tell this story a lot with an entire city. There was an entire, my old neighborhood, I, I mean this, there was, a, there was a connection that I had with that city. I was born and raised in it, and I, I could not even go, tell them I'll call them back. I, I could not even go to my old neighborhood without the temptations being, being so strong on my life. Listen, I, I would go through that neighborhood. And it would just, I don't know what it was, it would just arouse all of these things in my life. And, and, and I'm 25 years old, and I'm trying to serve the Lord. My mom and dad lived in that city. It's the only friends we had. I came out of a circle of a huge group of friends. It was nothing. Every single night, I had 8 to 12 people at my house. Every single night. Every single night. It would get in between our relationship. We fought all the time because of, the, I mean, I went from all of that to no one. Went to a huge church, didn't connect with nobody. And I think God was purposely making it so I couldn't connect with nobody because he was trying to get me to connect with him. So we come out of one relationship and we just, we just add Jesus to our Christian life and, and, and come with me like this. But Jesus is saying, hey, come here, Steve. This is what we do a lot of times in the Christian faith. We, we get saved and we say, oh, Jesus, I heard about you. Oh, happy day. You love me just the way I am. I'm a sinner and you love me and I thank you for that. Listen, I want to do this with my life, so you're going to go with me. I'm taking Jesus with me. This is what a lot of people do. But do you know what the Bible actually says? The Bible actually says this. I'm going this way. I'm doing what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do. And, hey, I know you're cool. You're my homeboy. Jesus loves me. And so you meet Jesus, and we're all like, cool. But the Bible says that we don't take Jesus with us. Jesus goes that way, and we are to follow him. This is, this is where the whole, that's where the whole, and, it, and it's painful to turn and begin to walk in that, in that new life. And it's like everything you've ever known and believed and felt has to be changed. What's that? If you are very uncomfortable, if you are feeling tension on every side of your life, I'm telling you, that's not the time to get sad and throw in the towel. That's the time to rejoice because God's doing a work on the inside of you that's going to change the trajectory of your entire family if you just won't run away. If we say, okay, I, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to go. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and follow me. And as we begin to go to church, you know what happened? I begin to grow stronger in my spirit. I begin to, re- the relationship between my mom and dad begin to get reconciled because I was a very rebellious teenager, in case you didn't know it. And uh, I hated my parents, anyone in authority, anyone in authority. I just see a cop and I just, a teacher, anybody in authority. That was me. It was the rebellion in me. The Bible says that the law arouses the sin nature. So I was around all the time just fighting with everybody. And it was the best thing that has ever happened to me when God just moved me and dropped all of that out. And I was able to grow in my faith. To two years doing that, but I was able to go back into my old neighborhood, go up to my friends and hug them and love them and say, hey, man, let me tell you something. There's a better life than right here. There's a better life than right here. But I couldn't do that until I allowed God to do it in me. But so many Christians, let me help you. 
So many Christians, they, they, they just remain over here. And they're, they're wanting to serve God. They are serving God. They are spiritually awakened. But emotionally, they're messed up. This is what happened to David in, in verse 30. It says that in verse 39, I am weak today. This is King David. Though I am anointed king. I want to stop right there and just minister on this sentence. Did you hear that? He said, I am anointed king. This is David. He's anointed. But he said, I'm weak. When, when we, when we are, are living in the graveyard, when we are living over here and we're, we're allowing these things into our life that many of these come in through relationships, you may be anointed of God, called, gifted, blessed, but it will begin to weaken your walk with the Lord. It will weaken you spiritually. That's what he's saying. He says, I'm, an, I'm anointed, but I am weak. And I want you to know here today, guys, everybody here, God wants all of us to be strong in our faith, to be strong. But there are some things that will weaken you, and it comes through, through relationships. And I wrote them on, this, on these tombstones just for you to get a mental picture. And sin, we all know sin. We all know sin. Tell your neighbor, sin is bad. Quit doing it. Tell your other neighbor, knock it off. Some of you need to hear it louder. Sin is bad. Why Jesus came? Because of sin. If you can get to heaven without Jesus, just by being a good person, just by coming to church even, then Jesus didn't have to die on a cross. He had to get on this cross and die. Why? For the sins of the world. And you know what this weakens? What this weakens, Christian? It weakens your testimony. It's what it weakens. And many times sin comes in through relationships. There are some things that, you, that we, are, we do and have done in our life that we would have never done on our own, but somebody came into our life and showed us how to do it. And they may even be out of our life, but we're still battling or wrestling with the same addiction. God's, David had a son named Solomon, and God said, Solomon, you're going to be a great man of God, but I wanna, must warn you about these because you're going to have some women. Women. It's always the woman, Shambach says. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in so much trouble. He said, God said, Solomon, you're going to have a lot of, he said, I don't want you to marry a bunch of wives. Because everyone said, Solomon had a bunch of wives? I want to have a bunch of wives. First of all, I say, seriously? <laughs> anyway, uh, God told him not to do that. Why? He said, because they're going to turn your heart from me. They're going to turn your heart from me. And what happened? Solomon, the wisest man in the world, fell for the dumbest trick of all. And he allowed sin into his life. He allowed compromise into his life. He allowed it in the beginning of weekend. Can I tell you the good thing about Jesus, though? The Bible says a story in Mark chapter 5 that there was a man living among the tombs. The Bible says this man lost his family because of his sin. He lost his career because of his addiction. He lost his friends because of the sin. He just couldn't stop it. He wouldn't even wear clothes. The Bible says he was a maniac. He ran through the tombs naked, screaming with chains, and he would cut himself. The Bible says he would actually cut himself. All the kids would run from him. 
He was, he was nuts. Society didn't know what else to do with them. Medication wouldn't work. Therapy wouldn't work. This show wouldn't work. Nothing would work. So they gave up on him and they put him into a place of the tombs in Mark chapter 5. But what I love about Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, it says that Jesus was tripping, going, and he was headed to the north of the Sea of Galilee. But he said, hey, I want to make a little trip and go and visit this land of the Gentiles. And the Bible says they didn't even know why he did it. He was going to a place where it was demoniacs were there and it was nuts. But Jesus went all the way out of his way just to meet with this man that society had thrown away. And the Bible says that as soon as he got off the boat and he put his foot, read it in Mark 5, as soon as he put his foot on the shore, that evil spirit and that bondage and that sin in his life caused him to look up. The Bible says he looked right up and said, wait a minute, this guy is different. This guy is different. There's something different about him. And your Bible says that he ran all the way out of Jesus, all the way out of the tombs. And Jesus, he fell down to his knees and said, please help me. Help me. I want to serve you. I, I want to serve you, but I'm weak. I got this thing that's draining me. I got this thing that won't, won't let me go. I want to serve you. I want to go over there, but it's got me bound. Jesus said to him, in that moment, he said, peace be still. He said, I'm about to restore you to everything you've ever lost. And one, he said, I know doctors couldn't help you. I know that shrink couldn't help you. That pastor couldn't help you. That couldn't help you. But he said, hey, I'm here. Our problem is a lot of times we run into the wrong source for our help. Jesus said, I've been here the whole time. But I love Jesus because he said, even if you don't come to me, like we sung it today, I'm going to come to you. Can I tell you that you got a Jesus that'll come into your graveyard? You got a Jesus that'll come right into your cemetery, come right into your bondage, come right into your life and say, hey, I love you that much and I'm going to come save you. Come on, give me praise today. That's... That's my Lord. That's your Jesus. And what blows my mind out of that story is the Bible says that after he encountered Jesus, you would think the people would be happy and they would be all happy and, and celebrating. But they were actually afraid of him and told Jesus to get off my island. Some people can become familiar with the graveyard. And I can preach a message like this, and it's like it just interrupts our whole theology. It interrupts our whole comfort zone because we've been here so long. We've learned to just accept it for what it is. But I want you to know that God doesn't want anybody over here today. He wants to set us free. Someone say, set me free. Where I want to go with today. Let me tell you another one that keeps us is these lust. Lust. I'm not talking about just sexual lust. I'm talking about worldly lust. These are things that, that, will, that you've got to bury. Let me, sin weakens your testimony. Can I tell you that lust, worldly lust, weakens your love for God? David said, I'm anointed. I'm anointed, but I am weak today. There are many Christians that say, hey, I, I, I'm anointed, but I got a desire and a craving for something else, and it's just robbing me of my love for God. And if I don't love God, I have no strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what the enemy tries to do is get you to get any of these in your life because he's after your joy. He don't want you to be happy. He don't want you to be strong in the Lord. He wants you to be weak, and he does it a lot of times through destruction distractions and getting us to see what we don't have and see what our family has and our our co-workers have and the new family that moved in down the street and next thing you know we're torn between the two and we don't know what we're going to do it's because of lust 
lusts that choke it out. Jesus said that there's going to be people that come and hear the gospel, and they're going to be excited about the Lord, and they're going to run 100 miles an hour, and they're going to say, Jesus, I love you, and they're going to grow fast, and they're going to be so on fire for God. But he says, what does he say? Chokes them out. The lusts for the world, the things of the world. I'm telling you, man, if you, if you feel weak as a Christian today, if that strength is not there, maybe it's because you've got to kill this thing. You got to get to the place where you say like this, God, if you don't do one more thing for me, it's okay with me because you've done enough already. A lot of times we're always looking at next. What's next, God? What's next, God? What's next? David, that's why David, he said, I'm happy just being a doorkeeper at the house of God. Why? Because he was, he was able to learn to keep his love for God and not allow the lust of the world to take it out of us. This is why we'll spend $1,000 on tires, but won't buy a $19 book that'll change our life. We won't buy a $30, $50, $70 Bible. Listen, I know they're expensive. It's the number one best-selling book, but you know what? It's also the number one most stolen book. (laughs) It is. (laughs) That is. The Bible is the number one most stolen book, probably because it's pretty expensive. But I don't, but whatever, however you got to get it, get the word of God in your life today. (laughs) And then you're going to read about stealing, and then you're going to go and repent and pay for it. Okay, so anyway, fear. Fear is a liar. I had to sing that. Okay, now it's out of my system. Fear, let me tell you something. Fear keeps people over here more than anything, guys. Fear, and, and it's so connected with relationships. So, so many of us have been hurt, and we won't want to trust again. Fear, fear, what can I say about fear? Fear keeps more people doing this, indecision, than anything else. I said it earlier. I hate indecisive people. I hate it when it's in me. It should not take you 25, 30 minutes at Chick-fil-A to order a sandwich. It's all chicken. It's chicken. Number three, I'll say it for you. I'll buy your meal. It shouldn't take you that long to decide whether or not I should give this up, whether or not I should keep it. If it's draining your strength, you need to get rid of it. If it's keeping you back, you need to throw it aside. Quit being between two valleys. I want to serve God, but I'm not going to serve God. I want to serve God, but summer's coming. I used to say this all the time. Some people can't serve God in the summertime. It's this weird seasonal thing. I don't know what it is. I remember I was being tempted in the springtime, summertime, man, driving around, everybody's out, you know, cracking their 40s and out partying. I went to my old neighborhood, and it was the crazy, I don't know what, some kind of a soul tie is what it was. I'm, I'm trying to tell you that God wants to go deep today. He wants to go deeper than your hallelujah and amen. He's wanting to get down into the source, and he's trying to get us to see some things around and kill those things and bury them things in this graveyard that's sucking the very strength out of our walk with God. Fear will keep you from selling out all the way to God. I want to serve you, God, but I'm afraid what my friends are going to say. I'm afraid what my family's going to say. This will keep you from worshiping God. I want to lift my hands, but somebody might make fun of me. Then do what Tim Hawkins says. Start with carrying the TV. Carrying the TV. Just start. No one's looking around. Just carrying the TV. Then when you really feel good, go like this. Mm. Stay right there. I forgot what he called. Carry the baby. Carry the baby. And then you really start coming out of fear. Then you're like Lion King. Mufasa, come on, baby. Lift those hands to the Lord. I don't care who's looking. I'm going to lift my hand. Tamahawk, score, touchdown. I don't care. I'll jump and jack. I'll dance around. Why? Because you're free from fear. I'm trying to help you today. Trying to help you today. That's all I'm doing. Trying to help you. David finally got free 
from the fear. Fear, fear, what I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss out on something. If, if I go to church, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss out on, on 20 years of, of pain, drugs, and, and addiction, and courts, and fines, and broken marriages. Man, isn't it so much fun? But the enemy tries to lie and tell us and keep us there, and it's indecisiveness that keeps you. The Bible says, How long will you falter between two decisions, man? The Bible says, If God's good, then serve him. If not, then don't. The Bible says that. The book of Joshua, I love it. It closes. Go read this chapter. It's the last chapter in Joshua. Joshua's headed up to here with people coming in and out of church. He's headed up to here. He's been with them in the wilderness. He was raised with people being indecisive. Him and Caleb were the only two that was on this side from day one. But they were punished because everybody else was wanting to live two lives. And so Joshua stands up and he says, if you're going to serve God, then you get on this side. If you're not going to serve God, then you go on that side. And and everybody on that side, is, and by the way, is, is very dark. You're going to die. And then people begin to say, okay, God, I want to serve you. I'm going to run over here. And the Bible said they come over here. And you thought Joshua would be all happy and celebrate him. But instead he looked at him and he says, you can't serve God. And they're going, what are you talking about, Joshua? I, I responded to what you said. And he goes, you ain't serious. You can't serve God. You know what he was doing? He was saying, you really can't serve God when, you're, when, you, when summertime comes. I remember reading this, and I went to church, and a pastor was a guest speaker. He came in and preached on that same text. How many know you know when the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something? He called the whole altar call. This was a massive church, and he preached out this text. He said, how many want Jesus? Everybody got all, yeah, I want Jesus. They came up. He did that. He said, you you ain't going to serve Jesus. He went to this one dude. He said, he said, when your girlfriend wants to do something that you know you ain't supposed to be doing, you ain't going to serve. He's calling people out like this. I'm standing in the front. I'm starting to go. (laughs) that was a moonwalk in case you could see I was like oh man please don't just I'm gonna stay spiritual carry the TV carry the TV he won't even look don't even look at it and I'm thinking and in my heart the Holy Spirit said he's gonna call you out he's gonna call you out thank God he didn't call me out he didn't have to call my name but the Holy Spirit did and the Holy Spirit said listen man don't be afraid don't let fear keep you over there if you only knew how good it was over here then you would run a run to me I got one more and then I'm gonna close up this one right here is probably the one. This one I wanted to minister on. This was the whole message, by the way. That was my introduction. This right here probably keeps people weak than anything else. This is what David suffered from. This is what so many Christians want to serve God, but they can't get over the pain. And that's what I mean by this message about God wanting to heal you. Because until you let God heal you of that pain, then you're going to be weak. And I know it's going to take time for some of you, for some of us that's been, you know, hurt and some things it does take time. But I want you to know that this has got to get dealt with for, for you to return to that point of strength. There's a story of Mephibosheth. I've ministered on him a lot, but he's in this story. He's in the next chapter. So since he's a part of the story, I want to bring him in and show you what this is. Mephibosheth, giving away Bible names, was a grandson of Saul, the dude throwing spears at David. It's Jonathan's son. David and Jonathan were like this. Mephibosheth was just a little kid, and the news came. Remember the story that his dad and his grandpa died. The Bible says that his caregiver ran out of the house but dropped him. And because he dropped him, he was crippled in both feet. And for the rest of his life, 
No matter where he would go, even if God would bring him. And eventually he even brought him into the palace. But he still had a condition that made him fall on the floor. And it hurt him. And he went to a city called Lolabar. I never told you this though. Lolabar means, let the Holy Spirit have its way. It means no communication. In other words, there are some things that happen to some people where at first they don't mind talking about it. And in fact, they like to talk about it. It kind of helps them. They tell everybody about the pain. They tell everybody about what happened to them. And there's a season when that's good and I recommend it. It's healthy. But watch who you tell. Because there's an Abner in the house. Someone may need to know that today in your circle. But, it's just, but I have seen this over time where people will talk about it. But then there comes a time when the pain hurts so much that they don't even talk about it no more. It's communication has stopped. Nobody in the family even talks about it anymore. And that's the pain that will keep you weak. And it hurt the most because it was a caregiver. Someone that's supposed to be taking care of him is who dropped him. Somebody that was supposed to provide, protect, and be there for them. And that's why it hurt so bad. But I want to tell you how to get out of this today. You want to get out of this today? You want the healing to come today? You want God to minister to your heart today? I'm going to leave you with what the prophet Samuel said. That's got this whole series started was King David. King David was on the backside of the desert uh, doing his thing with his shepherds. He was a shepherd. He had no idea what was happening. Saul was just removed from office. The Bible says that Samuel was weeping over Saul. He had pain. He was weeping. He loved Saul. Saul was supposed to be the guy. He didn't know that he would turn into a spear-chucking crazy lunatic. He didn't know that. He thought this guy was going to be the man to, to lead Israel but it failed and your Bible says that all he did was cry all he did was relive it he couldn't get over here he couldn't enjoy anything in other words he made it through the storm but now he became a storm in every situation he got in he just began to infect it and infect it with the toxicities that he was infected with from the pain he just couldn't get out of this cycle of weeping he couldn't get out of this cycle every friend every church every person that he went into he just began to cause trouble because it was starting to affect him in his spirit and God says this and this is the word for you today he said God said how long let me ask you how long are you going to mourn for Saul how long are you going to mourn for that season that is closing in your life how long please hear me today how long are you going to hang around in the graveyard how long but I want you to fill your horn with oil and run fill your horn with oil and go come on stand with me stand to your feet with me I'm going to close this up Holy Spirit is asking you this today. We've been through David's life when it was just him and God. We've been through David's life when him and he had a good friend. We've been through his life when, when Saul, his mentor, turned on him. And now we see him not willing to come out of the graveyard. And he's hurt. He's anointed, but yet he's weak. And you may be here and you're anointed. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But man, you're miserable. You're weak. You're weak. Something's draining your testimony for God. Something's draining you from selling out 
Something's draining you in your, in your stance with God. That's what the past pain is. See, we're told, we're, I'll tell you what the Bible says, to stand strong in your faith. That's Ephesians. Stand strong. But many of you, it weakens your stance. You can't stand strong because you got something that's draining the strength out of you. Well, God's going to heal you right now in Jesus' name. Don't need to be at a conference with Benny Hinn in California. You don't have to have elevation worship up here. You don't have to have Hillsong, Bethel, whatever it is. All you need is some fresh oil. You hear what I said? All you need is some fresh oil. All you need is some fresh oil. Pour that oil in right where it hurts. Healing. Oh, my Gideon. Pour, pour, Pour that oil right into the wound there. Oh, I know it hurts. You got an addiction in your life. You just can't shake it. Let me pour some anointing oil on it. That's the Holy Spirit. Pouring that oil on it today. God's saying, I want you to come out of that graveyard. I want you to come out of that graveyard. I want you to come out of that graveyard. We sung it today. Well, we all want to sing it again. That, that, that song was awesome. I didn't know they were doing it today. Never heard that song, but I love it. Can you sing it? And I want you to come out of that graveyard today. We're going to sing this song. And this is what I want you to do. If you need to come out of your graveyard, when we start singing this song, I want you to come out of that graveyard. Right now, I want you to just stop right now and just lift your hands to the Lord. Let the worship team come. Preached all this time for this moment, and I don't want no distractions. Please, if you've got to go to the bathroom, wait a minute, okay? Let the Holy Spirit do something today. Turn your phones off. Give God His undivided attention right now. He wants to do something in this moment that can change the whole trajectory of your life and I don't want it to to be distracted right now we're going to sing this song and and in a minute I'm going to ask you to come and when I do uh, spiritually this is just props up here we all know that listen but it's it's a metaphor and spiritually I'm going to call you and you're going to come out of your seat and you're going to come up here and you're coming out of the graveyard. Listen, I've seen people get free from drugs, from, from pornography addictions. I'm talking to the craziest things. I've seen people get set free from doing this right here, what I feel the Holy Spirit doing. I didn't do this at 930, but I'm going to do it right now in Jesus' name. Right now, just connect with the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to sing, begin to worship the Lord. And, and you're going to get free here in just a moment in Jesus' name. Come on. This scripture, we've heard it a million times, but I want to leave you with this scripture. And i got to relieve my volunteers. They've been working really hard this weekend. Go get your kids. Come back if you want. But we got to relieve them in just a minute. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight, every sin, everything. Throw it aside. That's it. And what does this say? Fixing my eyes on Jesus. This how you come out. You fix your eyes with Jesus. You let God bring those good relationships in. Come up here, baby. When I was all by myself, I said, God, what you going to do? Next thing you know, a few months later, boom, she got saved. Then guess what? We locked our arms together. We focused our eyes on Jesus. And we came out of that grave. Come on. You're coming out today. Come on. You're coming out today. You're coming out today. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, 
or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.